North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, good evening, all of you lovely people. You are listening to Dr. Low Radio, where you hear the very best in natural medicine and nutrition. And sometimes we talk about personal growth and development because it makes such a huge difference in your health. And I'm so excited for tonight's show. Thanks so much for joining me. I am a naturopathic doctor here in San Diego. I treat patients all over the country. And uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. You can learn more about me at drlaurennoel.com. And I also see patients at my clinic at shinenaturalmedicine.com. So be sure to sign up for email updates. We'll keep you in the loop of all the great things happening in our neck of the woods. If you are local into the San Diego area, there are some really exciting events coming up in the next couple of months. Um, April, let's see, it looks like May 27th. If you're locally in San Diego, I'll be giving a lecture um, all about hormones, how to balance your hormones naturally, what you can do um, nutritionally, lifestyle-wise. So come and join us. It's on May 27th. It's called Wine, Women, and Hormones. So we will be serving some wine there. It's at Curious Fork in Solana Beach. And uh, to be in the loop with all of that, sign up on uh, shinenaturalmedicine.com and we'll keep you uh, abreast about all of those details. And then I will actually be giving a lecture at Paleo FX coming up in a few weeks in Austin, Texas on April 23rd. And I'm going to be talking about superfoods, how to add superfoods into your diet to really elevate your health. So check me out with that. If you guys see me at Paleo FX, come and say hi. I'd love to, to see your shining faces. And then also we're going to be doing IV therapy at the Longevity Now conference. I won't actually be there, but the, some of the other doctors from my clinic will be there. So if you've been interested in getting IV therapy, uh, want to check out maybe some B12 shots, it's going to be a really cool event. It's put on by um, David Wolf, And I know Dave Asprey is going to be there. Vani Hari will be there. And uh, some other really amazing uh, speakers will be at that event. So to check that out, it, the website is thelongevitynowconference.com. And um, on to tonight's show. Tonight is a topic that's very near and dear to me. It's the topic of self-worth. And it's something for myself that over the years, I've, I've, I've worked through a lot of things personally in this realm, and so much of it has been doing transformational work. And on the show tonight, I have one of the trainers who I've had the pleasure of learning from, Michael Strasner, and he is a certified transformational trainer. He's extremely gifted. And I think it's going to be a really special show. So I'm, I'm so excited to dive into it. A bit more about Michael. So as I said, he's a certified transformational trainer. He's a personal coach and an entrepreneur. He's an expert in empowerment and developing leaders and leadership. He has facilitated thousands of seminars and workshops for the private sector and for the general public. And he's coached and trained well over 100,000 people during the last 30 years in the U.S., South America, and in Europe. Michael lives in Dallas with his wife, Hillary, and their five children, so he is one busy bee. Michael, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Lauren. Yeah, thank you for joining me. It's so great. And this is a topic, as I was saying, that's very near and dear to me. It's, you know, it's, it's so interesting how on the outside looking in, people can just assume that, 
you know, all is well, right? You got it all together. You got the, you know, the practice, got, um, you know, the different credentials and stuff like that. And it's always something for me to really manage looking at self-worth, self-esteem, because oftentimes there's so much more going on under the hood for people. And so I was really excited once we talked to get you on, on the show and talk about this topic. And so I want to dive into it in a little bit. But first, I want to learn more about you for our listeners. So I know a lot of times the things that we specialize in, the, the, the things that we train people in, oftentimes there's been a personal story with that. So share with us a little bit about your personal story, what you brought you into transformational training, what it is exactly. And um, yeah, so open up a little bit about you. Okay, great. I um, I started my transformational training process when I was 21 years old. I was in college and I was studying communications, political science, and what I really thought I was going to do with my life was either be a lawyer or maybe uh, you know some sort of a broadcaster, maybe in in sports, which was always something I was very passionate about. And I had a lot of other, you know, interests in my life and things that, that I thought I could do and, and certainly had uh, talents to, to pursue. But what I actually had was a major conversation about my own lack of self-worth, which is why this, this topic is not only interesting to you, but also interesting to me and, and important to me and, and many other people I'm sure listening you know, I, I was one of those kids that was told that I had so much potential, and I heard the word potential forever. I heard it from teachers. I heard it from coaches. I even sometimes heard it from my parents. So, Michael, you have so much potential. You could do this. You could do that. And I'm, I'm sure maybe on the outside it looked like an empowering thing to say or, or uh, an encouraging thing to say, and I'm sure many of the people that said it meant it that way when they said it to me. But what the way I – heard it and the way I interpreted it, Michael, where you are right now is not working. Who you are right now is not enough. Who you are right now and what you're doing with your life is is not going to work in order to have what you want or to be what you want in your life. And maybe someday, maybe hopefully someday you'll get there, but today it's not it. And so that's how I heard it. That's the way I interpreted it. And that information and that feedback really affected my self-esteem and it affected my, my belief and confidence in myself. And the thing is, is that when, when we don't have confidence in ourselves or we don't have uh, genuine self-esteem, then it affects every area of our life. It affects our, our ability to take action in, in our careers and it, takes, uh, it, it affects our ability to take action with our health. I mean, think of how many people are listening to the show right now that, that maybe want to have better health or lose weight or uh, maybe they want to, you know, eat better. Maybe they want to have better relationships and uh, take action on certain specific dreams they have or goals that they have in their life, and they don't do it because they, they just don't feel worthy. They just don't feel confident. And that lack of self-esteem, that lack of self-worth, causes us to be inactive, and that inactivity really uh, becomes this, this powerful force, like an undertow that, that you know, takes away the energy and, and the belief in what's possible. And so, obviously, I wind up, you know, selling out on myself, and I wind up selling out on what's important to me, and I settle for, for mediocrity, and I settle for not having the results that I want and the experience I want in life. And the other thing I want to say is that you said it 
really well, I thought, in the beginning where you were talking about how, you know, having the the status, you know, the credentials, the the certificate, you know, maybe the, the house or the car or the clothes or, or the look, you know, maybe, you know, you're beautiful or you're handsome. And, and on the outside, you know, we might look like we have it all together or we might look like uh, we're really successful. But just because you have those those tangible types of of results or those tangible physical types of, of things that, that society says that we want, it doesn't mean that inside that we feel good about ourselves. So one of the things that we do is we conform to society and we conform to, to uh, fitting in and we conform to looking good. And even though we may not feel good, you know, we look good, but that doesn't mean that it's genuine for us. Mm, right. And and one of the things that I heard you say, which is so brilliant, is just that if, if, even though people were saying things to you, what you heard was very different, right? So there's this, like this filter that's there that you're sifting through things that people are saying to you. And based on where you're at on your end, that's how it, it lands. So can you talk more about that, this, this particular filter, or this perspective, and like, where does that come from? Well, if we go back into into our childhood, I mean, I, I like you and, and, I'm sure everyone have had lots of different experiences in our life and, and different moments in our life, which, which caused us to question ourselves or caused us to, to question our, our confidence, our self-worth, our trust, our, our belief in who we are and what we can do with life. Uh, everyone has those different experiences. And what happens is, unfortunately, that we tend to to interpret those events and interpret those experiences in a negative way. Think of it like think of it like uh, like a love relationship. Uh, when we're in a love relationship and our heart is open and we're vulnerable, it's magical. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's it's uh, you know we don't want it to end. We don't want it to stop. We we can't stop thinking about that other person. And if something happens and we're no longer with them or we break up that pain is often so devastating and hurts at such a deep level. It's almost like the relationship died and, and a piece of us dies with it. And then what happens is, is the thought of getting back out there into the world, the thought of getting, uh, getting myself, uh, opening myself back up to be vulnerable, to express my feelings or express my love or open myself up to, to another relationship, my mind equates it to the pain of the past. So uh, love equals pain, love equals heartache, love equals abandonment, love equals rejection. And, you know, obviously we're, we're uh, humans, we're, we're an, an animal. And one of the things about us as animals and, and humans is that we have a survival mode that we go into. And the survival mode makes us want to uh, close up and protect ourselves. And so when we go into that closing up and that protection of ourselves, it, it's actually an illusion. We tell ourselves that if I'm closed up, if I uh, am no longer vulnerable, if I don't let anybody in, if I don't let anybody get too close to me, then I'll be okay. I'll be happy. And ultimately, we're not happy because where are we? We're sitting on the couch, you know, eating bonbons, watching, uh, you know, reality television and, and kind of, you know, wallowing in our self-pity or, or uh, wallowing in our pain. Or maybe we're just avoiding getting back out there into the world to share ourselves. 
so it's a condition. It's, it's part of the human condition. And, you know, if we go uh, into Freud and Freud's view of things, you know, he talks about ego. And really, it's, it's, the, it's the ego, the self-preservation, this, this human instinct to, to save ourselves and preserve ourselves from experiencing that pain. We, we, we avoid it and we do everything we can to not have it happen again. Absolutely. Never going to go through that pain ever again. And so, but, but it's, it's perfectly stated, you know, it's like looking at the TV, eating bonbons, sitting on the couch and, and getting lost in someone else's life. I really think that's why reality TV is so huge is because, you know, we're living our lives through this person on TV and it's sort of this pseudo life that's being lived. And, and it's amazing how much Americans are watching TV and it's just, it's an escape from, from life and from those fears. And so, I mean, how does someone break out of that downward spiral because it's it's easy to play it safe and be on the couch it's easy to just live your life through social media watching what other people are doing i mean I, I, but i never want to get hurt again so what am i going to do you know i mean where how do you break out of that well one of the things that that i think that you could do if you want to break out of it because because there has to be some desire to break out of it and i think that people are much more aware much more conscious of themselves much more uh aware of their behaviors than maybe they want to let on or 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 acknowledge so I think a lot of people are aware that they're avoiding and they're disconnected and they're hiding and they're not taking risks so they're aware of it but but what happens is is that if they can just take a moment to to reconnect with what's important to them in their life what matters to them in their life what do they want in their life you know when I can see what I want when I can see a, a vision for myself, a new possibility for myself, often that will give me the strength or the courage or the impetus to take action and to, to start to pursue it. And I was talking to my daughter today, and we were talking about self-esteem. And, you know, she, she's been going through a rough period the last few days, not, not elongated, but, you know, the last few days she's had a rough period in school and in work and how to manage both. And she feels like she's not being 100% in either place. And so she's beating herself up. And one of the great things uh, about my relationship with her is that she's able to open up to me and talk to me and reach out, you know, for support because she knows that I love her. She knows that I care about her and I'm not going to judge her. So she opens up to me and asks me, Dad, how do I, you know, how can I get back to a place where I feel confident? How can I get back to a place where I have self-esteem? And we talked about taking steps. You know, what can you do today? You can't fix everything today. You're not going to necessarily uh, have everything you want worked out today. But what is something you could do today, you know, accomplish today that will empower you, make you feel good about yourself? It doesn't matter really if it's going to yoga class, going to work out, completing the assignment that needs to be complete, that you're behind in, uh, calling your boss at work and, and requesting a, a day off so that you can use that time to refresh yourself and re-energize yourself. What is something you could do today to, to have yourself get reconnected with who you are and your confidence and your self-esteem? And so by the time we were done with the call, she was empowered and ready to go take action and ready to go do something to get herself back on track. And the thing is, is when we're in a low self-esteem experience, we have no momentum at all. It's like we're at the bottom of the hill 
and snow just keeps pouring on top of us like we're at the bottom of the avalanche and there's yeah. no momentum. So how do you get that momentum? One, one committed step towards what you want, towards uh, a breakthrough, towards a new possibility, towards a result or a goal that will empower you. Mm. And isn't it true that it's just, it's like the thought of it that's the worst part than the actual thing? You know, it's like we just make ourselves crazy with just like this snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger in our mind and we make it this big mountain we can't climb when really it's, it's just, it's built up in our mind, right? Absolutely. Listen, you know what? I, I talk to people all the time and coach people all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say to me, am I crazy? You know, am I crazy to think this way? You know, just sound, I know it sounds crazy what I'm saying right now, but you know what? There's absolutely nothing crazy about the thoughts that we have. They're normal fear-based thoughts. You know, fear is natural and fear is part of living. Fear is part of being a human being. The thing that makes fear worse is the resistance to the fear. So, you know, there's a great saying, I think uh, FDR said it, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So fear becomes this, this ghost in the closet or a monster underneath the bed or the alien on our face. It just expands and it gets bigger and bigger and we become paralyzed because we think it's real. So, so imagine sitting around, you know, you have these negative thoughts or I have these negative thoughts. And, and what I do is I, I beat myself up for having the negative thoughts. You know, I shouldn't feel this way. And, and gosh, you know, why do I feel this way? What am I crazy? Uh, how does that empower you? How does that empower me? How does that empower us to act on what we want or to move ourselves forward or to get ourselves out of that rut. So, so absolutely, we make up so much stuff in our minds and, and it's based on fear and the fear builds and builds and builds because we fuel it. Mm. Yeah, and once we're just in that action mode and actually doing something, we get in the zone and then the fear just goes away because we're just connected to what we're, what we're doing, right, what we're, what we're creating. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? Everybody loves momentum. Think of the word momentum. Who doesn't love momentum? Yeah, it's amazing. We, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we love momentum. Like, you know, that feeling when you get up and you're jumping out of bed and nothing can stop me. I can do anything today. You know, we work out. We're, we're on, on purpose. We're focused. We get to work early. Uh, we we uh, don't just have uh, the things to do, but we're thinking beyond the norm of, of our day-to-day work life or our day-to-day relationships. We're, we're focused on the bigger picture, and we can see it. And the more we see it, we separate the forest from the trees. We, we uh, transform the thoughts and the, and the experience of life uh, from that fear base where all we can see is the circumstances, the bottom of the mountain, the avalanche of snow, to the possibility, to the, to the apex, you know, the top of the mountain. And we, when we can see that, then, then we get that momentum. And when we have the momentum, nothing can stop us. And momentum becomes a snowball. But what we have to remember is that momentum, no matter how big it gets, always started with no momentum at all. Right. Exactly. It's that first step that, is, that can be the hardest, and then you, you get that ball rolling. I, wanna, I really, really believe that 
you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I know that the the, the experience of having low self-worth can show up in a lot of different ways. So in your experience working with, you know, thousands of people over the years, how do you see this playing out? Well, the lack of self-esteem shows up for people in the relationships that they choose. You know, uh, given the, the people I work with and, and I can't even begin to to express how shocking it is and, and surprising it is and also sad uh, mm-hmm. that it is uh, a lot of times the relationships that I see people that are in. It doesn't mean the relationship could not have worked or, or could not have been a magical uh, bond or, or partnership or connection, but what oftentimes happens is I'll see a person who is committed to the relationship, uh, in love with the other person, passionate about the relationship, wanting the relationship, really sees that person in their highest possibilities, in their greatness. And then I'll see the other person, you know, womp, womp, shut down, no energy, no connection, uh, no passion, no responsibility, a victim in the relationship, not contributing anything. So, so I see it often in relationships, which is why we have such a incredibly high divorce rate in the United States. 60% of, of first marriages end in divorce, and it's mm. 82% of second marriages end in divorce. So, wow. so think of that. You know, a lot of times uh, it's not just the end result that shows our self-esteem. It's the beginning. It, it's, it's where was I coming from when I made the choice to be in relationship with this person. Also, it shows up in health. You know, the food that we eat, the way that we exercise, the way that we nurture our bodies. You know, so many people uh, don't take care of themselves, and I'm sure you've seen that in your work. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the United States, uh, the the level of obesity is extraordinary, and I think that obesity, if we peel away the layers, a lot of that comes from a lack of self-esteem, a lack Mm of I matter, my vote counts, I am uh, worthy of living. And, and so when somebody doesn't feel worthy, doesn't feel uh, important, doesn't feel like they matter, then they need to pacify that pain. And, and a lot of times they pacify that pain with food and, and they pacify that pain, as you said earlier, with television and, and uh, we do it on the Internet, with social media. And there's so many, so many ways that we reinforce those, those pains. And, uh, and so it could show up professionally uh, by me settling for a job that's safe. A, a job that's comfortable, a job that, that I, quote-unquote, know I can win at versus a job that's challenging and that requires me to grow and gives me an opportunity to not just make more money but to develop myself as, as, a, as an adult, as a leader, as a human being in the world. And, and so a lot of times I'll see people that are highly educated, super bright, uh, very, very sharp and smart, settling for low-paying jobs where, uh, where they're basically on a, a you know, automatic pilot, comfortable, but, but I wouldn't say worthy in any way, shape, or form. They're not making a significant difference or a significant contribution, and, and they're not, they're not you know, really using their life to create what's possible. They're just going through the motions. So it could be professional. It could be personal. It could be in our health, all areas. Mm. And and you see in your work that someone's financial life 
is correlated to their sense of self-worth, right? Absolutely. I, I've said it uh, thousands of times, and I'm sure lots of uh, different trainers and coaches have their way of saying it, but one of the things I've always said is our net worth is equivalent to our self-worth. And mm-hmm. if I feel worthy about myself, then I'm going to take action to create abundance. I mean, if, if you think of the word abundance, how could somebody who has a low self-esteem create abundance? Creating abundance is not the same thing as inheriting abundance. You know, mm-hmm. anybody can inherit abundance. Anybody could win the lottery, you know, uh, but, but if I'm really worthy, if I'm confident, if I have a high self-esteem, I'm not going to play the lottery and have that be my, my strategy to create Abundance. I'm not going to play the lottery as my as my uh, way of creating the kind of financial life that I want. I'm going to pursue education or pursue a vehicle that will give me those opportunities and also identify my skills and my talents and line up my skills and talents with a vehicle that I can create that financial abundance that I want in my life. Some people are, are incredibly talented, but they're in a position that they can't win at. Right. Yeah. If you guys listening, we're talking to Michael Stradner. He is a transformation trainer and we're talking about self-worth for you guys who are calling in and listening from your phone. If you'd like to ask a question, you can go ahead and press one. For those of you listening from your computer and you want to call in, the number is 818-495-6919 and press one and I'll bring you on the switchboard. Michael, what about the concept of being humble versus being a doormat? Can you talk about that? Yes, being humble, from my interpretation, being humble is about showing and experiencing and displaying a gratitude for the life that I have, the things that I have, the relationships that I have. Humble, being being humble is it's a genuine, vulnerable pride in what I'm accomplishing how I'm living my life, how, how I'm showing up or who I'm being for other people. Like think, uh, I'll give you an example. Like uh, I, think I'm an, I think I'm a great husband, but I don't walk around telling everybody that I'm a great husband. <laughs> but if somebody was to ask me, Michael, do you think you're a great husband? I, I would say yes. I absolutely think I'm a great husband. Why do I think I'm a great husband? Because I adore my wife, because I love my wife, because I see my wife in her in her greatness because I appreciate all the big things and little things that she says and that she does, not only for me, but for our kids. And I don't walk around talking about how great I am. That doesn't make me great. So I think a sense of humbleness is, is a gratitude and appreciation for who I am and for what I have and for who I'm with and what I'm creating in my life. Being a doormat is not about surrendering. It's about giving up. Giving up is a victim conversation. When I'm a doormat, I am letting the world walk all over me and essentially uh, wipe their feet in my face. You know, so think of a doormat when you get to the house, you know, you wipe your feet on it before you enter. So if we see our if we see ourselves as this beautiful house, this worthy house, this, this incredible gift to the world, a beautiful human being, somebody who's worthy of love, someone who sees themselves with self-esteem, then I could never be a doormat and I would never want to be a doormat because now I'm not 
choosing what I want in my life and I'm not looking to create a partnership with people or a partnership in a relationship, looking for somebody to take care of me, somebody to control me, somebody to dominate me, somebody to manipulate me, somebody to force me or make me do things. And a doormat doesn't take their own wants and needs into consideration. A doormat gives up sacrifices, their wants and needs in order to quote unquote, please other people. So, you know, I think of when I think of a doormat, I think of that, that typical mother who behaves like a martyr, who sacrifices all of her wants and all of her needs for her children. But think about what you're teaching your daughters. Think, think about what you're teaching your sons. You know, you're teaching your daughters that women are second-class citizens or women don't matter or what women want is not important, that everyone else is more important than you. You're teaching your sons to, to uh, be the king of the relationship, the king of the house, and that women are there to serve. Women are there to to uh, do for me and provide for me and to make my life easier. That's not a partnership. So a partnership is really the, the highest form of relationship. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You and me together creating a magical synergy, this, this incredible possibility for a relationship that doesn't just exist now, but grows and grows tomorrow and next week and, you know, essentially forever. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. It's beautiful. All right. Let's take yeah, it to I the want to say, well, let me just add one more. Yeah, go for it. One, let me just add one more thing. I, this, is, this is something I heard a long time ago, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful line, that honeymoon is not a place to go to in a relationship. Honeymoon is a place to come from in a relationship. So imagine a lifetime of honeymoon. Mm. And something that's created. It's a conscious choice to create that. There's no place to get to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, let's take a caller. So we have a caller from the 562 area code. 562, you are on Dr. Low Radio. What's your name and what's your question? This is Judy. Hey, Judy. Welcome. Thank you. Um, My question to Michael is, is... In, if that person that you're with in the relationship doesn't, um, you know, come to an agreement with you, or you know, it's been five years and they don't seem to change, is there a possibility at all that they would change as the time goes, or no? <laughs> okay, uh, what what is your name? Judy. Judy, and you can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, great. So you're asking if it's possible that after five years of being in a relationship, if the other person can change? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Like if you're if you're not meeting if the relationship is they're not meeting halfway. Like if they're not being if they're not there yet, and there's been you know many different opportunities for change and growth, but the one of them is just not going there. Is there a possibility that they shut that person just shut down? It's just not going to happen. I'm going to say that, and, and I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news, but I want to say that in my experience that five years of being in a relationship is a very strong indication of the relationship and how it's going to be. And if in five years 
you, you've continuously come up against the same issues or the same challenges with that person, and they seem to be fixed on the way that they uh, are doing things or fixed on the way that, that they see things or they're not willing to compromise and, and meet you in the middle so it, it doesn't feel like a win-win, I'm going to say that more than likely they're, they're not going to do it or more than likely they've got uh, other thoughts, you know, like maybe – uh, their perception of, of the relationship or their perception of what they want in the relationship isn't possible or they don't think it can happen. And, you know, I go back to something I said earlier, which is the person has to want to change. Can they change? Yes, of course. I've had couples in relationship uh, trainings that I've done that have been married for 40 years or 50 years. So imagine the breakdowns in those relationships and they've come to the workshops saying, you know, I love this person, but we continuously have these same problems or these same issues, or I've committed to this person, um, but I don't know if we can make it work. And I've seen people transform. I've seen people break through 20, 30, 40, 50 years of, of historical attitudes or behaviors. They just have to want to do it. So you can't make the person want to do it. But what you have to do, I think, is look inside and ask yourself, have you done everything you can to make this relationship work? Have you taken a stand and gone all the way to make the relationship work? Or are you holding on to it because you're afraid of losing it? A lot of times what happens is people hold on to something even though it's not what they want because it feels better than or seems like better than what it would feel like if you let it go. But, the, but every day you hold on to something that isn't what you want, and every day you, you sell out on what you really want in your life, a little piece of you dies. You know, your energy dies, your confidence dies, your self-esteem dies, you know, your heart dies. And when your heart dies in a relationship, you're not really in the relationship, you're, you're existing. And that's hmm. not a life worth living. So what I would do is really look inside and ask yourself, have you done everything that you can do? Is there something you could do that you haven't done yet? Have you said everything you need to say? And if you haven't, then you need to take that risk. Because if you're not willing to take that risk, then look at what you have right now after five years. So nothing will change unless you're willing to do that. And if he's willing to step up, and he's willing to, to, you know, make a change within himself, if you could somehow uh, communicate with him in a way that he could get to that place, then definitely uh, there's a lot to work with. Okay. Awesome, Judy. Do you have any follow-up questions? No, I, that's what I want. I, I, I wasn't in with that. Awesome. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your call. You're welcome. All right, Judy. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. So I have a question here from Facebook. This is from Shauna, and she wants to know, how do you maintain self-worth when things fall apart, when you fail? How do you keep that together? Wow, I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> first, of <Yeah>. all, <laughs> first of all, there's no maintaining of self-esteem. Maintaining self-esteem is impossible because maintaining is controlling. You can't control your feelings and your confidence. You can't control it. It's something that expands or contracts. So forget maintaining. When things fall apart, here's what you do. You acknowledge that things are falling apart. <laughs> you you mm -hmm. let yourself fall apart. Now, 
you let yourself fall apart with a friend or your mother or your sister or your husband or, or your cousin, somebody that you trust, somebody that you know will be there and, and hold you and catch you and be there for you and support you, somebody that's not going to judge you, somebody that may not have the answers or may not know exactly what to do, but will be there for you and allow you to be vulnerable and express yourself. When you are able to experience those feelings and release those feelings, you know, all of them, the, 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 the anger, the guilt, the resentment, the hurt, the sadness, the frustration, the pain, when you're able to release it and let it out, you can also let it go. And when you let it go, you are in a clean space. And when you're in that clean space, then you can bring your self-esteem back. You can bring your personal power back, your confidence back. And how do you do that? One step at a time. You make a declaration. You make a commitment. You pick up the phone and call your friend, and you go out to have lunch with them even though you don't feel like it. You go to the gym to work out because you know that when you work out, you, you feel good about yourself. You've got your energy going, and you're, you're, you're flowing. But even though you don't want to do it, you do it anyway. What you don't do is the self-destructive things that make what you're feeling worse. And what you also don't do is avoid it and deny it and repress it and control it, keep it inside, bottled up, because then it never goes anywhere and you stay stuck. Mm. Yeah. And I, I find for myself personally that when, when I follow through on something I say I'm going to do, when I really honor my word, my experience of myself expands and I feel a greater sense of self-worth and confidence, whereas when I don't fulfill on something I say I'm going to do. I say I'm going to call someone or do something and it doesn't happen. I feel bad about myself. Like this can't happen. And I feel this sense of feeling smaller. So can you talk a little bit about the power of your word and your integrity and, and how this relates to your feeling of self-worth and confidence? Every time we, every time we keep our word, every time we follow through on our commitments, no matter how big or how small our self-esteem goes up. If I say, to my wife that I will be home at six o'clock. If I get there before six o'clock, I've kept my word. And even if she doesn't say, or we don't discuss, hey, Michael, you kept your word, or there's some, some verbal acknowledgement of it, I know I did it, and it makes me feel good about myself. Every time we follow through on any commitment, no matter how big or how small it is, our confidence goes up. And when our confidence goes up, then we have, again, that momentum. And when we have the momentum, it goes into our professional life, into our personal life. Now we want to make those cold calls. Now we want to go out and we want to uh, go visit those clients, go, go visit those customers, and we have a pep in our step. You know, we're left, we, we have that energy going. We have that, that energy flowing. We're, we're all of a sudden attractive. I mean, what happened to us? You know, two days ago, we're not attractive. Now all of a sudden we're attractive. We're, you know, we're out in the world uh, single, and, and now we've got five different people wanting you know, to know me, wanting to get my number, wanting <laughs> to, to be in business with me. Uh, you know, the people at Starbucks are smiling at me. You know, what's happening? Did the world change? No, my attitude changed, and my attitude changed because through living my word, honoring my commitments, following through, and doing the things I say I'm going to do, no matter how big or how small, I am 
confident, I am worthy, and it shows up in my relationships, my energy, the, the credibility I create with my customers, the credibility I establish and create in my uh, relationship with my family and my friends, and that generates connection, it generates acknowledgement, it generates possibilities, and it just continues to grow and grow. Every time I break my word, no matter how big or how small, what happens is I lose that self-esteem. I lose that self-worth. And the thing is, the most successful in people life, the most successful people in life that I've ever worked with and I've ever experienced, they understand the distinction between results and stories. Results, excuses. When I have results and I keep my word and I do what I say, self-esteem up. When I don't do it, what happens is my stories, my excuses, my reasons, my justifications are present, and then I become a victim to those stories. And when I'm a victim, I lose all power and self-esteem. Mm. It's huge. And even the littlest things can just ignite that self-esteem and, and turn into something even bigger. What about for people who rely on others for self-worth and validation? So how does someone go from, you know, relying on what someone else thinks about me and, you know, let's say in the dating world, he thinks I'm cute or he thinks I'm amazing, so I feel amazing about myself. How do you go from being a junkie on other people's validation to having that from within? Well, that goes back to, to those, those uh, historical conversations that we have from all the way back to our earliest childhood. You know, we, we get conditioned in our society and, and conditioned through our, through our, you know, our teenage years in particular to be concerned about what other people think. I mean, teenagers are constantly in conversations about who's the prettiest, uh, who's the most handsome, who's the best athlete, who's the smartest, you know, competition about not just results but clothes, competition about how somebody looks. So we get conditioned through, through middle school and high school to, to be oriented in our society that how we look to other people and what other people think of us is bigger and more significant than what we think of ourselves. And so by doing that, that only, that only uh, creates essentially a victim experience of self-esteem where I don't have any power. I'm almost like a, like a spaghetti strainer that, you know, you pour uh, water in and it just goes through the holes. So if you can mm -hmm. imagine that strainer is me as a human being and I have all these holes in me, so my self-esteem is leaking out. So if my self-esteem is, is dependent on what other people say about me or what other people think of me or the feedback I get from other people, that's not self-esteem. That's approval. Yeah. And approval is never going to be enough. No matter what game you're playing in life, if you're a woman that needs to hear approval from your boyfriend or your husband or your lover, you will never hear enough. It will never be enough because what other people say to us, what other people think of us is only temporary and fleeting and it never has the power that our own thoughts have. So we get to reclaim our, our power. We get to reclaim our self-esteem from giving it away to the masses and, and bring it back to who I am and who I am because I say I am this person. 
You know, what's the difference between, you know, the most successful people in life, the most uh, accomplished people in life, and me or you? It's really, it really comes down to their conversation, their attitude about themselves. So imagine a life of ease. You know, where life is easy, life is flowing. The most beautiful women in the world are the ones that are at ease with themselves. They're at peace with themselves. They accept themselves. They embrace themselves. Who doesn't want to be with somebody like that? Who doesn't want to be in a relationship with somebody like that? The most beautiful men in the world are the ones that are vulnerable, the ones that, that can express their feelings and are not, uh, not afraid to, to open their hearts to give it to others. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's the net. That's when intimacy is is possible and real connection, you know, and magic. Yep. Yeah. The magic is is there, and and the self esteem, the confidence that we want, will never and can never be achieved externally. It comes from the inside out. When mm. I am worthy enough, just by being who I am then it doesn't ultimately matter what I have. Mm-hmm. What can parents who are listening do? And you, you mentioned it so eloquently when you were talking with your, with your daughter. What, so let's say you're a parent and you have a, a child that, you know, seems to really have low self-worth, low self-esteem. I know that oftentimes what is thought of is I'm just going to tell them how great they are, you know, and tell them how smart they are, tell them all these things. Is that effective? And what, what could be done that might be more effective? Well, often when, when somebody feels low self-esteem, they tend to be more quiet, often uh, shut down or they are uh, alone. They want to be alone, you know, in their room. Uh, They want to be left alone. What I think the most effective thing to do is, to relate to them on their level. One of the problems parents have is that they don't relate to kids on their level. They relate to kids on their own level. So you cannot talk to a nine-year-old the same way you talk to a 15-year-old. Nine-year-olds and 15-year-olds are going through completely different things. So one of the things that I have coached people to do over the years is to relate to the kids on whatever level they're at. So uh, what are nine-year-olds into? What are uh, nine-year-old boys into? So if I know that my son is into soccer and that's what he's passionate about, and I know that he, he has a particular game that he likes to play, then I talk to him about things that are going on with him and how does he feel about this and what position does he like to play and how could he like to play that position and what, you know, what's his favorite thing about soccer. It really comes down to relating and building relationship if I can relate and build relationship then that that child will connect with me and they'll know I care when a child doesn't feel that sense of relating that sense of relationship and caring then they're they tend to be more uh, disconnected and shut down and how was your day fine how are you fine you know you don't seem fine fine I said I'm fine you know that whole thing they don't want to talk about things because they they don't feel like you get it you know how many kids have said my mother doesn't get it (laughs) my father doesn't get it I said it about my own parents as a matter of fact I was talking to my dad two days ago and I said dad remember when you were a child you know remember the relationship you had with your father I mean do you remember the challenges you had my dad goes yeah oh yeah I remember I mean it's it's a lifelong process mom and dad 
and our relationship with them. So, so if we could reverse it from they've got to come to me and somehow, you know, the, the title of, of mom or dad has given me some form of authority and automatic respect, that is a, an illusion that parents live in. So yeah. we got to get over ourselves and get into the sandbox. We got to get over ourselves and get into the Xbox. We got to get over ourselves and get into cheerleading 101. We got to <laughs> get ourselves into relationship with them. When we're in that relationship and we have that connection, we'll have that trust and they'll open themselves up. Possibilities can exist for self-esteem. Mm, and I see that translating into romantic relationships, that there's something that your partner is really interested in that's super important to him or her. You know, you don't have to become an expert in that, but just honoring that, that important, importance and, and, you know, and, and making it to where there can be the, the kind of dialogue about it, you know, and it shows that you're interested in, in, in what's important to them, right? Yes, one of the most important aspects of relationship that, uh, that I've coached thousands of couples about is the whole idea of compatibility. Compatibility is not just about uh, physical, emotional, or sexual. Compatibility is about liking. What do you like? And learning to, to not just find out what your partner likes, but then how about this? To like what they like. There is yeah. no bigger turn on for me as a husband with my wife than when it's opening day of baseball and she's wearing a Red Sox hat and a Red Sox t-shirt. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I don't care if she watches the game. She doesn't have to watch the game. Just the fact that she's even remotely showing me that she cares about me and cares about something that's important to me, no matter how shallow or trivial or superficial it may be, it is like, wow, what does that make me want to do? It makes me right. want to give back to her. It makes me want to find out what she likes, what's important to her, uh, and do that with her and, 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 and reciprocate that. That's, I love that. You're like, yeah, yeah, honey, laundry is cool and all, but put on the uniform and we can really talk. <laughs> oh, yes. So I don't need it. I don't need nachos. You don't have to suffer through the nine innings of the game. It's all, I'm all good. I'm, I'm completely enrolled. I'm empowered. Yeah. Oh man, Michael, I could talk to you for like five hours, but I get that, you know, we get to start to wrap it up, but I, I so appreciate okay. you being so gracious with your time. And I would love to hear if there's any other pearls or any, anything for people at home to do something that can just you know, deepen this kind of topic for them, um, you know, any exercises or any books you might recommend, you know, I'm sure there, there are sponges ready to absorb whatever you have. Okay. Well, let me, let me start it off by saying, stop whatever you're doing as soon as possible, get out a piece of paper where you have no distractions, no disruptions, just take 15 minutes, quiet, peaceful time. You can put on some, music in the background, whatever. But don't be on the phone. Don't be social media. Just totally focus for 15, 20 minutes, quiet time, and connect with yourself. And write down on the piece of paper your vision for your life. Think of your future. Two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. What do you want to be creating in your life? A vision is about declaring the future that you want 
an unprecedented future that you want, that you're passionate about, that you're excited about, that is important to you, that matters to you. And it isn't just about the tangible things, but of course, you can have those tangible things be part of it. You know, the house that you live in, the city that you live in, the kind of car you drive, uh, how many children you have, what your marriage is like. So yes, visualize the future and the tangible things, the money that you have, the, the career, the job that you have. But I also want you to visualize and imagine the life that you're living. What is the experience of the life that you are living? What are you feeling each day when you wake up? What are you generating not only in your life with yourself, but what are you generating with your family? What are you generating with your children? What are you creating? You know, what is Thanksgiving dinner like? Imagine that experience way past the food and the tangible things that you have. What is the feeling? What is the emotion? What is the experience that you want? So take some time to write that down. And then what is the first step for you to take today or tomorrow towards making that vision a reality? And then what are the subsequent steps that you need to take? So bridging the gap from where you are to the vision becoming a reality. What are the steps, what is the first step that you need to take in order to make that vision real, professionally, personally, with your attitude, with your behaviors, with your ways of being, and then begin to take those steps. Now is the only time we have. Everybody knows the terms, knows the slogans, knows the words that, you know, we only have one life and, you know, this is all we've got and, there, you know, there's no tomorrow and seize the day. But you know something? It is the way that it is, life is not a dress rehearsal. What are you waiting for? Take action now to create the life that you want. When you do that each and every day, your self-esteem will go up and up and up. Your momentum will increase, and then you will be an unstoppable force for the world around you, an inspiration. It's amazing, Michael, and and you are an inspiration to me and to so many thousands of people around you. And I thank you so so much for sharing this this time with us tonight. And um, it's I, I really I just acknowledge you for for what you're creating in the world and and the magic that you're that you're creating. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for the opportunity, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate the 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 experience and look forward to future opportunities with you and, and my best to all of your clients and all of the people that are listening tonight. And for people who, who are, are you available to work with people one-on-one or how can people keep up with what you're doing if they want to connect with you? Well, I could be uh, contacted through Facebook. I have a website, but my website right now is being reconstructed because I'm about to launch my book. Hey. There you go. So we'll have to have so you back I, on when you when you launch your book, and we'll we'll do a big promotion for that. Yeah, my book will be coming out in the next couple of months. Awesome. All right. Well, Michael, thank you again. Enjoy your night, and we'll talk with you soon. Okay, Lauren. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, you guys, that is the show. Thank you so much for joining me. You can catch me again next week. Uh, same time, we'll be talking about natural medicine, nutrition. And, of course, if you guys would like to work with me to get to the root of some of your health issues, I'd love to work with you. You can check me out at shinenaturalmedicine.com. Have a wonderful night, and we'll check you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supplies. See stores for details. North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusion supplies. See stores for details.